Hello and welcome to Second Row Recap Podcast. This is the Pro 14 or Champions of Europe Special Edition. Woo! <laughs> I'm Park Elliott. That was Ushin Collins. <laughs> Who is very excited about the fact that the Pro 14 have bossed all of Europe. The two games went backwards. I thought the first game would be like Leinster and I thought the Leinster game would be like Gloucester and Cardiff. Yeah, I tell you what, like, so first off, right, hats off to Leinster. That was an unbelievable, gritty, steely performance that basically made the Terminator movies look like a lighthearted rom-com. <laughs> oh, that was not the game we expected, was it? That was two defences going full tilt for 80 plus minutes. Absolutely, and like totally defence over attack, huge physicality, and everybody completely committed to the task at hand. Like that was that was unbelievable. Oh, uh, I was there watching it, and I was like, this felt like an international. That felt like a Six Nations match. Yeah, certainly in terms of the intensity, totally good shout. When I heard that character was injured, I'm like, okay, things aren't going well for Racing here today, and then to lose Lambie after three minutes. Oh, I mean, that was a key moment, particularly given that they were already down Machino. But from a tactical perspective, you have to say Racing played about the best game they could. Like Teddy Iriberan, I think, pinned Leinster back with unbelievable accuracy. Like there was contestable box kicks. He was kicking it to touch down the line. And like Nasewa and Kearney are good quality players, but they're not exactly live wires from a counter-attack perspective. And like, this is for all the Leinster listeners, and this is not giving about either one of them, especially Kearney, but this is why no one on an Irish perspective wants Kearney playing international rugby. Because when the ball goes back there, yes, he's going to run it straight, and yes, he's going to run it hard, but there's so little creativity where if you can keep Leinster pinned back like Racing did for a lot of the game, they're just going to run it back at you, and you can set your reset your defensive line and go again. And with how Racing were defending and the conditions that were there, it was always going to favour Racing. Yeah, and I mean, that, that that was an unbelievable like defensive line from Leinster. So, like, a friend of the pod, Jason, was chatting to me, and he just kept turning around and going, this is war. Like, Leinster are actually in a war here for the first time all season. And that's what it felt like. Oh, it was... Some of the hits, I was wincing watching TV. And you played. <laughs> And like, I mean, I think there was a number of key moments, the first of which you've already mentioned, where obviously Lambie just twisted awkwardly in his knee, like three minutes in. That's just a killer. He's out for six to nine months now. Oh, no. That's I a, such a stinger for him. I tell you what, though, my, my next favorite moment of the game was um, Nakarawa on 37 minutes, who somehow managed to stay on the pitch, despite like punching the ball directly forwards and trying to walk off the pitch before the ref was like, nah, you're grand, bro. I could have like he was there kind of going I got a, I got I got away with that did I I did oh, oh. completely like how how on earth is that not a yellow that's a yellow every day of the week like I know Barons was like oh well I wasn't sure there was a clear line break and you're like that's really interesting Wayne it, that's it doesn't not have the law to do with the yeah it doesn't have anything to do with the law of the game but go nuts man yeah that was a completely cynical slap down and by the way that wasn't the first one either that was like the second <laughs> within five minutes it was the most wildly obvious one though oh it was just insane he just went uh, uh. no one can yeah. see me just reaching out my hand randomly into the air <laughs> service boof <laughs> and like after that you know you think Leinster are going to take advantage into the second half but then one of comfortably the worst goal kick I've ever seen. 
Yeah, Sexton taking that penalty. And in all fairness, I'm not sure which one was worse, the first one or the second one. Hey, like they were around the same distance. They're both right in front of the posts. But I think the one that he dinged wildly off target that looked like Ronan O'Gara's drop goal against Wales was probably the one that did it for me. Yeah, but at the same time, after that kick, it kind of it took something special from Johnny to kind of go, you know what? My boots aren't working anymore, and gave the kicks to Issa. Yeah, and I mean, I think I think there was an issue with his groin, but how like how lucky are Leinster or to, sorry, how good are Leinster? How much strength and depth do they have that they can turn around when they lose a world class kicker like Johnny Sexton and be like, ah, oh, Issa, pop up here and ding over as many points as we need. He'll be so missed next season. He is he is just such a top top quality player. And I know when Leinster re-signed him, there was a huge kind of he's a fan favourite. But I, I do sometimes think that the quality that he brings you across wing, fullback, centre, 10. Like the guy started four Heineken Cup and won four Heineken Cup finals. That's incredible. Uh, he's one of those people, he's a rugby player first and then you put him in a position then. Yeah, it doesn't matter where you play him. He could have played probably any position along the back line and just been world class. Like and but for a couple of minutes for Fiji, like who knows if he ever would have joined Leinster because he would have been camped out in the Auckland Blues and in the All Black squad. I'd say every Leinster fan is thanking that Fiji manager today. Yeah, I'll tell you what was impressive for Leinster as well, though. Obviously, you've got Issa and Sexton who are both phenomenal players, but some of the young guys were just immense. Like I thought having Luke McGrath back, but a lot of intensity to Leinster's game. James Ryan was incredible. Oh, the dude's a freak. Like he's a freak. He always makes yards in contact. Just always. Like, even if it's a half yard or that dirty yard, he always breaks the gain line or half breaks the gain line. And one of my favourite moments from him was in the second half where he's just got lined the guy up for a tackle. He's mm. in the defensive line. And just his presence, he doesn't even tackle the guy. His presence causes a knock-on. <laughs> he's just that intimidating. He's just, he's a physical freak of nature. Yeah, I tell you what, right? I'm calling it now. He's he is not yet the best ever Irish second row, but he is absolutely going to be. He is going to be a better player than even Paul O'Connell was, and he has the potential to be as far ahead of the world as Brody Ritalik is now. The guy is just extraordinary. He is a one in a lifetime talent, and yeah. as Irish fans. I cannot wait to see him improve. No, I'm so I'm so excited about him. Like ever since I saw him play for the twenties and captain that side, I have been so excited about this guy. So like, just fair play. What a first season! But let's be perfectly honest, though. As like an interprovincial rival, I hate Leinster. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. I'm giving them. I'm giving them a pass this week. I'm gonna have to hate them enough next week. <laughs> fair enough that is fair enough speaking of Ryans I have to say Rassing's second row pair of Dunica Ryan and Nakarawa were bar the brain dead knock on just pure physical grunt and class personified and I've, I found out today Ryan played from the 11th minute injured he's missing the rest of the top 14 season with a shoulder injury he oh. played that game at that physicality at that level injured I, there's something wrong with people um, from Munster where they just don't have any respect for their own body like O'Mahony has played that way with a broken shoulder Ryan playing that game injured it's just they're lunatics definitely and Keith Earls does it now as well yeah true um, another nice little bit of trivia that's actually Scott Fardy's first professional medal and for a player that you didn't think should be playing some of these games that is incredible and well deserved yep totally fair Um. 
I guess rather than our normal, what are the strengths and weaknesses? I just thought it'd be interesting to ask, like, what's next for Leinster? Like, I mean, how how much can this team achieve? Like, I know I said it in the preview podcast, but this Leinster team are building a dynasty. Like, you've got to say they're arguably the best team in Europe at the moment. They're possibly one of the best club teams of all time. Yeah, I mean, if you look at their route to the final, they knocked out the holders, they knocked out the Pro 12 champions, and Rassing are an incredible team as well. And that's even more impressive when you consider that they came unbeaten out of the pool of death with Exeter, Montpellier and Glasgow, who've looked so strong in the Pro 14 this year. And again, Exeter, top of the Prem. And don't forget, they've done that while at the same time topping their conference in the Pro 14. Yeah. Their squad depth is unbelievable. Yeah, I mean, as a Munster fan, I am very, very worried about this weekend, which I know we'll cover off on Friday, but... um, You've got yeah, but you've got to think there will be a bit of a European hangover. I'm I'm happy for any kind of hangover. Literally anything that will help. <laughs> it's grand. I'm sure the the weekend breaks that the half the monster squad have been taking, as if you look at it, their Instagram Instagrams would really help. Yeah, apparently Conor Murray's been on the lash in Barcelona. Is asking on his Twitter for where he can get tapas on La Rambla, like everywhere. Conor, everywhere has tapas on Las Ramblas, and that's what you need the week before a. Pro 14 semi-final in the RDS. Yeah, for sure. Hopefully, maybe. Uh, I don't know. I, I just, you know, whatever about, tell you what though, right? Whatever about Munster being worried, I actually think there's every single club with ambitions for the European Champions Cup in Europe should be very, very worried for the next several years. Like, more than half of that starting 15 are under 30 and six of them are under 25. Yeah, it's kind of scary. I You kind of go, that Leinster crest is going to have a lot of stars wrapped around it in the next couple of years. Yeah, well, at the homecoming, Issa was asked the question, he said, is it all about the drive for five now? And Issa just went, no, it's about trying to get to 10. Like, these guys are serious, and they are they're setting serious objectives and serious targets. And, like, the work that Leo Cullen and Stuart Lancaster have done with them this year just can't be underestimated. They are so mentally tough. Oh, definitely. Like, the, you talk about a winning mentality. These guys are so far beyond having a winning mentality. It's scary. They're like, winning is their day-to-day they're bigger they have a bigger mentality than a winning mentality if that makes any sense yeah it does no i understand what you mean um like i think from an individual perspective there was a couple of standout performances from that racing team like scrum half was so good Tales having to come in after three minutes and run that game from the bench at 10 like played really well and just to fit the all-round physicality from the team in terms of their attacking camille shah had a couple of huge um impacts and contributions Nyanga was everywhere but um Leone Nakarawa yeah. is just he's just from another planet yeah and like I was really happy for him to get European player of the year yeah it's a real acknowledgement just of his individual impact and skill set the dude is just special he is like was it the, the octopus <laughs> whatever the French for octopus is that's got to be his nickname no it actually is in camp ah. like I'm not even joking I think daily so that was the big one, I guess, but what a warm-up on Friday night. It was incredible. It was literally a game of two halves. I hate to use such a cliche, but it really was. And I know some people didn't call the Leinster match uh, a real treat for the neutrals, but I love that type of warfare. Well, I mean, the, hi- the, hi- the, highlights, uh, the highlights show for this one was significantly more action-packed. <laughs> That's for sure. I think both teams just really prioritised attack over defence. 
Um, it was a little bit looser. They were just they just seemed a little bit freer on the ball. And I think part of that was there was a little bit more space. And there is just that, I guess, that gap in class between a Gloucester and a Cardiff and a Leinster and a Racing. So you are going to have a little bit more space, a little bit more time in the ball. But that's not to take anything away from the performances on the pitch. Oh, definitely. And at the end of the day, there is a reason this is, for want of a better term, a second tier European trophy. The teams are just that little bit behind. Yeah. And in, at this level, fine margins is the difference between a Challenge Cup spot and a Champions Cup spot. Yeah. I'll tell you who wasn't behind, though, to be fair. After all our, oh, they're not the greatest kickers. Like Jared Evans and 12 trees going 100% each. Like, Thanks, lads. Thanks for making <laughs> us look like dumbasses. Look, in all fairness, it's about time I joined you on the bad calls. <laughs> yeah, fair. Similar as well, an early injury for a key player, like having to go 70-plus minutes without Josh Navidi is a, is a serious loss to any back row. Yeah, no, he... Do you through that so you can do your stupid joke? No. <laughs> <laughs> he does look like Predator. Can... It's not my fault. <laughs> <laughs> Fine. But, like, seriously... He's such a great player and was a lot like he was a loss on the day and players like him getting injured kind of feed into that extra bit of space that was on the pitch. Yeah, and I mean Robinson who came on like played well, played well, got man of the match, so you gotta say he stepped up big time. You know what they say, cometh the hour, cometh the man. Come at the forehead. <laughs> um Oh no, but fair, like he had big boots to fill and fair play to him to coming in and having such an impact. Yeah, absolutely. Um First half was all Gloucester, though, all the same. Oh, definitely. And they're, especially their back three, like we said, you know, extremely dangerous. They found space, found soft shoulders to run at. It was incredible to watch. Some lovely passing as well. How good is Trinder? He has been called up into the England training camp. Has he? Excellent. Yeah. I am putting that performance and that piece of information together. Yeah, 100%. Like, I mean, to be fair, every time he touched the ball, he was going to break the line. And he touched the ball a lot. Yeah, like... The first try alone. Just, I mean, fair enough, it's a cross kick, but his positional awareness and his strength, like when he caught that ball, he kind of still had to beat the defender. And he kind of did that with a little bit of step, an awful lot of pace, and just driving the shoulder into him. Like, it was really impressive as a finish. Definitely. And then the next try, the, the interplay between everyone on that wing was incredible. Ah, oh, the passing. And the pass is just all stuck. Like, I mean, it was a bit disappointing, because at that stage, Cardiff really should have leveled that. Yeah, they just... um. They butched a chance just a few minutes beforehand, didn't they? Yeah, basically, Lilo got the ball on the wing. It was a textbook two-on-one, except he passed the ball about 20 seconds too early. So um, Scully managed to both end up in touch and drop the ball over the line. So, you know, at that point, you're watching it being like, it's really, really not going to be Cardiff's night. Particularly, like, you look at Gloucester going in again on 37 minutes, Ruin Ackerman showing lads to their seats like he's getting paid extra to do ushering. And the scoreboard was looking ominous. That is for sure. I saw, I was I was keeping an eye I was keeping an eye on the game live. I was like, oh, that's Gloucester one. I had English family over and they're like, oh, that's Gloucester one. Typical. Yeah, you time know. to go make a cup of tea. This thing is over. Pretty much. And whatever was said at half time, can I have a recording and can I keep it with me? That way <laughs> yeah. I will always be better in my life because the change was <laughs> phenomenal. <laughs> yeah, I mean Cardiff just came out a different team in the second half and like we called him a bit of a magician beforehand and so 100% right. Like, Anscombe was just electric. It was the Anscombe show, really, that second half. 
absolutely i mean I, I was just really impressed with the level of variety brought in the game and you know it, you just can't write them off they, they've been such a different side mentally this year it's really impressive it's such a shame they're losing a lot of that coaching ticket mm, yeah it is a bit of a nightmare i tell you from gloucester the one guy who played his absolute heart out the whole way through the game billy 12 trees oh he rolled back the years big time he like he is a talented player so yep. at the end of the day he's going to have times where he just shows that he was he was class i mean some of his distribution some of his kicking and the big part for me and i think you get this with players with his level of maturity the decision making was just really good like again when gloucester kind of fell away in that last half like half an hour in particular i mean his head went as well but when gloucester were on it was all going through him like he was releasing players into space for fun Definitely, and like we saw that in the sports ground. He's one of those players, if he was in more international camps, he would have really fulfilled his potential. Yeah, I mean, if Joe like, Schmidt got his hands on the likes of a Billy 12 trees, just think how good a player he could have been, you know? Well, that is actually a scary thought. Yeah. Um, What did you make of the penalty at the end? Any controversy over it from your perspective? Uh, Like, I might be confused about the law here, but I was watching it. I was like, okay, Gloucester players go down on the ball. Anscombe's gone over him on the ground, mm-hmm. so he hasn't let the player up. So I was watching it, and for me, he, I, I think he did let him up, and that he didn't hit him until he gathered the ball and got to his feet. I think the problem was the Gloucester player basically lost his footing straight away, and he's on the deck again. And at that point, right. he's a totally fair target for a jackal. Oh, so he's got to his feet, slipped, and then yeah. the there we go. I just didn't see that. That's all. Yeah. That, well, that's how I read it, but again, it's it's back in like super de duper de slow mo, and you're like, you can't tell anything at that speed. It's kind of irrelevant. Did you see the Gloucester tweet afterwards? <laughs> so I saw a screen grab of the Gloucester tweet. <laughs> uh, they have deleted <laughs> and apologized for, but oh Ed my Slater God. wasn't exactly very gracious in his post match interview either. Like in all fairness, they coughed up eight points in three minutes to lose Not the good. match. Not good. I tell you what else wasn't good. Some of the commentary was appalling. Like <laughs> apparently Will Greenwood's um, first name isn't actually Will it's World Cup winner Will because the amount of times it's like yeah I know man you told me 20 minutes ago chill out and there was some line after Gloucester's mall try of uh, there he is climbing out of that primordial soup of forwards oh was that Sky Sports oh my god yeah oh, I, I, I had BT so I just have to listen to that I just had banter, 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 banter. I refuse. Banter. No, banned <laughs> in the house. Um, and I mean, I look, I, I guess, not a bad crowd, I mean, from a Challenge Cup perspective. It's a shame that it wasn't full, but I, I mean, Bilbao was hard enough to get to without being full of Leinster fans. True. And like, in all fairness, it, I'm pretty sure that was the highest supported Challenge Cup final to date. Not so bad. But those big stadiums just don't look good when they're half full or even three quarters full. You know, yeah. I mean, at least it was hermetically sealed, so it would have kept the noise in a little bit better because the atmosphere didn't seem too bad. I've heard people say it wasn't the greatest atmosphere on TV, but from what I got from Air Sport or BT Sport, was brilliant. You know, so and someone had the the microphones turned up. Yeah, yeah. Whoever's on the sound desk is like, quick, quick, import crowd sounds from somewhere else. <laughs> all right. Well, in all fairness, that's that much tied up, and you kind of look to where the Cardiff go from here. You know. Well, I think it's a bit less clear than Leinster. Like, as you mentioned, they're losing their head coach this summer. Um, Danny Wilson is off to Wasps, uh, along with their attack coach. And the guy, th- there isn't a lot known out there about the guy who's coming in next. Um, 
although he like he does have some credentials so he's currently uh john mulvihill is the guy's name he's joining from the honda heat which is one of the japanese league teams um, he's their back coach but he was the interim head coach of the western force for a couple of months and bit of trivia he actually started coaching in ireland he uh he coached navin rfc for five years you said that wrong it's navin rfc <laughs> navin your fe yeah i can't <laughs> i can't do a navin accent but like look at the pro 14 for that carlos team that's a they have a good squad there you know they should really be pushing on into the pro 14 semis and they do have the quality to make that happen yeah, well, I mean, again, we have to see if the conferences are going to be the same as this year. Uh, if they are, you, I mean, the Ospreys have to be better because that's just objectively true. Um, but the Cheetahs are probably going to be better as well. So you're probably talking about a case of five into three spots next year. It's going to be interesting. I have a feeling that the Kings and Cheetahs might swap. Just a gut feeling because they'll definitely have to move some of the underperformers around next year. Like, you can't have Dragons and Kings in the same conference. no. But then again, you can't have Zebra and Connacht in the same conference if they keep playing like that. Yeah, I uh, look. I mean, I, in my mind, particularly given the home and away rotation, I think you need to leave the conferences as they are for two seasons in a row and then change it. But, you know, Pro 14 are kind of figuring it out as they go along. So we wait in eager anticipation of anybody doing anything sensible. And we will get all the information at the latest moment possible. Yeah, before kickoff. Of what game? Um, a game. It'll be fine. Pretty much. So two big games of the weekend and uh, two big awards left to hand out. So the second row top performer, who have you gone for, Porik? So I've gone for Anscombe. He was instrumental in that comeback. I know he had the only missed kick in that match, but then to come back and win it with the next kick in that next penalty was incredible. He was a standout player of the weekend, really. He varied the yeah. attack. Like the kick through for Williams's try was incredible oh, the kick the regather and kick again it was so yeah. good the crossfield kick into space to create the, the kick downfield for that penalty yeah to win the match was just took balls of steel well he's exactly what the welsh public want in a 10 you know they want that kind of big bravado you know definitely like you kind of think you should be doing the conor mcgregor swagger for the next couple of months well walking around with his elbows following him Pretty much, or just like, you know, the big monkey walk because his balls are that big. <laughs> uh, I'll tell you what, though. Uh, Anscombe, I totally agree with that. Absolutely standout player. I guess just a special mention for, for our man Easton Asewa again, who was just pure, pure class. And the thing is, he was pure class and victory. He went straight over to Teddy Tom at the final whistle. Which is a nice segue because I think the only man who could take home cloud of the round is Mr. Tama. That was... Like, incredible brain dead like clock's about to run out teams are level all you need is a bit of possession and what does he do he decides to hand the ball directly back to Leinster by running down a blind alley and getting absolutely binned into touch by Jack Conan after Rassing have stolen the line out ball like oh, just like, congratulations you win a terrible decision making you dummy it's one of those things I watched and it started to happen in slow motion you could see what was happening. Yeah. He's like, time just slows down, and you're like, oh god, oh god, no, oh dude. I know, like, how such a bad call, and seriously, he's not getting on that bus home. Really, like, there's no way they let him on the no. bus home after that. No, that dude is hitchhiking back to Paris. <laughs> he is a special player, but that was a special brain fart. Well, I mean, to go from arguably just 
the player of the of the semi-final stage against Munster and Bordeaux to losing the game in the final for your team with a few minutes on the clock like it's a fortnight is a long time in rugby eh that's for sure that is for sure and thus ends the European season oh like the Champions Cup has been brilliant and Heineken are actually going to be title sponsors again from next season oh my god we can go back to calling it the Heineken Cup no no it's the Heineken Champions Cup well, that seems really relevant. <laughs> I think it's something like that, that the Champions Cup is going to stay in the name, but Heineken will be a title sponsor. Yeah, okay. Well, after a dramatic weekend, that is the European season wrapped up. Yeah, and that's us for this week. We'll be back next Friday to preview the Pro 14 semi-finals with Glasgow hosting Scarlets and Munster making a trip to Dublin. And Ulster will be in the European playoff for the Ospreys. Reach out to us on facebook.com forward slash the second row or on Twitter where we're at the second row. That is 2ND, not the word second. And if you're enjoying the podcast, please subscribe, like, rate, tell a friend, share, all those things about the podcast. So until next time, goodbye and thanks for listening. Take care.